Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. You know, sometimes I start these um, these episodes out with a little shit talking. Sometimes I start out with a story that I think is funny. You guys may not give a fuck. Sometimes I like to start with a question, and here recently I've done that, and I don't know why, but I want, I want to ask another question. I want to ask you this. Did you settle for a life of regret? What I mean by that is, are you going to be that 70-year-old, 60-year-old, however, however old it is, or you are when you get there, are you going to look back and regret the life that you chose? And are you going to look back and wish you would have taken more chances. Are you going to look back and ask yourself, what if? That's my biggest motivator in life. I never, ever, ever want to look back and say, what if? Because there are no do-overs. This thing catches up with us so fast, and I think when we blink, we turn around, and it's all over. I can remember, just like yesterday, being a teenage boy. I can remember being a young, very young boy. And now I'm a 43-year-old man with severe back pain who can barely stand up sometimes, you know, and it goes so quickly. And to think in another 20 years, I'm going to be in my mid-60s. So you're fucking A right. I'm going to do everything that I ever wanted to do. And I'm not going to overanalyze. I'm not going to assess risks to the point where I scare myself out of doing something that I want to do, something that I think I could enjoy, something that I think could bring fulfillment into my life. I'm not going to be afraid of that. And I know so many people who get trapped into that, that what if world. Well, what if I do this, then this doesn't happen. And what if, um, I don't take this chance. I'm just going to sit right here in my secure little bubble. And ultimately I'm going to regret not taking a few risks, not taking some chances in life and doing the things I wanted to do. I want to ask another question, and um, I think pretty—I think all of us here are pretty much adults, so I don't think I have any fucking toddlers listen listening. I want to ask you, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were young, and you wanted to be something? I want you to ask yourself, are you doing that right now? Are you exactly what you wanted to be, or are you where you wanted to be? And if not, why? Does fear of risk hold you back? Do you let fear control you or worse? Do you let doubt? Do you let 
doubt, your self-doubt control you and control your destiny or even worse than that. This is a big one. Do you let people's opinions control the outcome of your life? Are you so worried and get so wrapped up into what other people may say, what other people may think that you don't move forward in life on the path that you damn well want to move forward on and damn well deserve to move forward on? I think so many people get caught up worrying about what other people think that they never realize their true potential. They, you know, they'll immediately, I, I've seen it where you tell someone your thoughts, your desires, your, your wishes, whatever, your, your, your dreams, your goals, whatever it may be, and immediately another person will smash it. And right there, people shut down and they immediately turn all of that negative energy against themselves. And they never even push forward past the initial conversation. And then they just end up getting caught into this bubble and they end up living a life that unfortunately later on they're going to look back on and regret. Is that you? Is that going to be you? Are you headed that way? And if so, guess what? You still have time to change that. Nothing is permanent. I've, I've talked about this on several episodes where we talk about people's opinions and, and, and fuck them and how they don't matter. And it really is true. You know, there's an old saying, it's called in 100 years, who's going to know, right? We're all irrelevant when it comes down to, um, if you look at it from a time perspective, all of us are irrelevant. Nobody's going to remember you in a hundred years. Nobody's going to remember me in a hundred years. Who gives a fuck? As long as you're not hurting people, go do the things you want to do and don't worry about other people's opinions. This life is here for us to enjoy. And unfortunately, so few people ever really figure that out. And before you know it, everybody just grinds to the bone trying to trying to live for the future. And the future comes a lot quicker than they anticipate. And then they look back on their life and they have regret. I don't want that to be you. I damn sure don't want it to be me. That's why this, this topic is so important to me. I'm so passionate about doing the things that interest you. Um, I remember being a young man, I always wanted to be a Marine. I always wanted to be a firefighter. I always wanted to be a police officer. I didn't know how I was going to do that stuff. And I knew I was never going to be wealthy doing it. Um, but I didn't care. I wanted to do those things and I did all of them. I did all the things that really interested me despite what people were telling me to do. I don't think I didn't have an outside influences trying to influence my decisions. I had people telling me not to go to the military. I had people telling me not to become a police officer. I had people telling me not to be a fireman. But I was a young man and I wanted to do the things I wanted to do. One of the one of the things that really irritates me is when I hear young people say, "Well, I want to do this, but my parents say I need to do this." And that's one thing I promise myself I'm never going to do with my children. I'm never going to steer them towards what I think they should be or what I think they should become. I'm, I want them to do exactly what they want to do in life. You want to open up a fucking mushroom shop and sell goddamn tea out of it and spank donkeys in the back? Then that's what you're going to do. If that's what you want to do, I'm not going to talk you out of it. But I hope you're the best mushroom and tea fucking salesman and donkeys ass spanking motherfucker that you can possibly be. That, to me, is a life well lived. And then when you get back... When you're 70 or 80, you're laying on your deathbed and you made a life and you were extremely happy that you spanked every donkey ass and made all the tea, a mushroom tea that you possibly could. 
and you don't have any regrets. What more could I ask for other than you being a good human being? Because that's all that matters. Time has a way of erasing everything, all of it, you know, and it's just so important to us when we have it, what other people may, may say, or other people may think I don't know why that's, that's so controlling over so many people's lives, um, opinions of others and how will I be perceived? And I get it. People got to make a living. So they got to keep up with appearances and everything. But, you know, my mind works really, really weirdly. I, I understand what I'm saying right now. And, uh, sometimes I'm sitting here while I'm talking and I'm thinking, does this shit make sense? But you know, it is what it is. I was watching a documentary last night and to put time in perspective and I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a world war two buff. Like I like the greatest generation back before our country was filled with a bunch of pussyfied men. And, uh, you know, these, these are some hard motherfuckers back in the day, but they were gentlemen at the same time. You know, they could slap the shit out of you by day, but break bread with you at night and help you, you know, do chores and, and give you, you know, the loving that you needed at home, whatever. But, now it's like none of that exists. <laughs> These motherfuckers can't do anything. Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated with the greatest generation, it, especially the way that the men were back then. And, uh, you know, I was watching this, this documentary last night. It was about Hitler's inner circle. And I'm not a fan of Hitler by any means. But I think what they did, and I'm not talking about the Holocaust, but what I'm talking about is how they were able to deceive all of these people into making the uh, Germany the war machine that it was and, and making this little tiny country such a big, powerful, influential part of the world at that time. And I was watching the power struggle and I was watching the power struggle of, of Hitler's inner circle and how they were all trying to be um, Hitler's number two man and the shit that they were pulling on each other, trying to just get to the top. And they didn't even realize within a few short years, every single one of their time would expire all of it. So all of the stress that they, they were putting themselves through just to, just to have a little bit of power. It didn't mean anything, none of it. And if you fast forward, what, like 75 years now, there are young Kids now, not even kids, they're young teenagers. They don't even know anything about that time period. Nothing. You know, that I mean, they may understand like, yeah, World War II is like a word or something, but there's not a lot of them. I've run into kids before and I've, you know, we've had conversations and you can just tell they're, they don't know anything about it. And that's what I'm getting at. Time has a way of erasing even the most atrocious atrocities. Okay. It just has a way of doing that. And it has a, t- a way of erasing all of the good things too. So why spend our lives trying to live up to other people's standards and what other people think we should do and other people's opinions versus just doing what we want to do because time is going to erase every single one of us and everything we ever stood for. There's another old saying in this. Is, I heard this a long time ago. Either you're somebody or you're nobody. And guess what? Even if you're somebody, nobody's going to know who the fuck you are one day. So what does it matter? I was walking through the woods with my father last year, and we were uh, in an area near where he lives. And we went for 
a walk on a trail. And then we went into the woods, just off the trail, way down in the woods. We had no idea where we were going. We were just walking and exploring. The weather was nice. It was cool out. I remember. And, dude, I'll be damned if we didn't walk right up onto a fucking graveyard in the middle of the woods. Now, this was nowhere near a road. Nowhere near a road. This this son of a bitch was deep, deep into the woods. And I started looking at all the headstones. And the dates were 100-plus years old. And... I asked my dad, I looked at him, I said, you know what? I said, who comes out here to visit these people? And he said, what do you mean? I go, they're just here. They're just in the ground. And I go, nobody knows who they are. Family members don't come out. There were, there was, there were no fresh flowers any fucking where, you know, there were no cards, no teddy bears, no vases, no nothing, no little American flags, nothing. There was nothing there other than acorns and leaves and it was just very somber. And I, I started thinking, I was like, all of these people here were were somebody, right? They had a life. They had things that interested them. They had things that worried them. They had things that excited them. But where are they? They're now in the ground. And all those things that interested them, all those things that excited them, and last but not least, all those things that worried them, no longer fucking matter. I'm sure one of those people would, would have sleepless nights at night over something that they could not control. And what did that get them? Nothing. Ultimately, they're out there in the middle of the woods and nobody ever comes to visit them. Case in point. That's why I want to be cremated. Because when you're when you're buried, the only people that ever come and pay really pay homage to you, pay respect, are your immediate family members. Your children. That's it. And when they're gone, you're just a headstone now. You're just a name. Somebody's going to stumble across. They're not going to know anything about your life. And what did all of this mean? None of it mattered. You owe it to yourself to live the best life that you can live. And stop holding yourself back. And maybe all of you are doing exactly that. Maybe, or the opposite. Maybe every single one of you listening to this is in the place that you want to be right now and I'm proud of you if you are and you're doing all the things right and you don't have any worries at night you you sleep well at night you don't worry about your bills you don't worry about your fucking outfit that your friends don't like you don't worry about what who who's saying what about you maybe you have figured it out but maybe there's one person that's hearing this that just needs to hear this to understand hey I can really put life in perspective real quickly and I can stop worrying about a bunch of shit that does not matter anymore. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying I don't have worries. I, that'd be, I'd be lying if I didn't say that. But when I do start worrying about things, I start thinking about the reality of the situation. And then I take a step back and I'm like, does this really matter right now? Does this $100 fine that I got in the mail from the fucking HOA why am I stewing about this? Because you know what? Fuck them. But why am I going to let that take any any joy out of my day? Because in our life, right now is so polarizing that we can't really fast forward to you know 20 years down the road. Because 20 years down the road, I'm probably not even going to remember this fucking $100 fine from my HOA. Right? 
sometimes the universe just lines up and the universe wants to carry us into different um different paths carry us down different paths in life but i talk about this in my book and i talk about how that happened to me when i left law enforcement the universe was trying to put me exactly where i needed to be and i was fighting it tooth and nail tooth and nail because i needed the answers i had to have all of the answers before i could move forward and life just doesn't work like that you you sometimes you don't ever get the answers sometimes it takes years to get the answers that you want you just got to understand when windows of opportunity present themselves. You have a decision to make. Do you want to go through that window of opportunity or do you want that op- window of opportunity to slam shut in your face, never to have it again? And then you'll be left standing there thinking, what if? And that drives me crazy. I, my biggest fear in life is saying, what if? I'm pretty good at recognizing the universe now because I stopped a long time ago. I, I realized the universe is way more powerful than, than, than I could ever be. And so I, I started making an attempt to recognize when things are not going my way, hey, maybe this is the universe guiding me and I don't need to fight it. I'm not saying you just need to give up and say, Jesus, take the wheel. That's not what I'm saying because you better grab the fucking steering wheel. Or your ass might go right into that damn tree. Um, you you got to have some responsibility here. You can't just put it all on Jesus. That's not what I'm I'm getting at. But what I'm getting at is open your mind up a little bit when things do start going a little bit differently in, in your day to day. Go with it. See where it's going. And stop looking for all the fucking answers all the time. This episode is going to be released on um, October the 18th. So I will have just gotten back from Cleveland, Tennessee, where I'm teaching three post-traumatic purpose courses to the Cleveland, Tennessee police and Cleveland, Tennessee fire departments. And I'm also, that Thursday night, I get to do a, uh, a big event for the Professional uh, Firefighters of Tennessee uh, Conference. And that's going to be that's going to be really cool. But when this comes out, this will come out on Monday the 18th, and I'm going to be gearing up to go to Baltimore. I gotta I gotta do a speech to a, a presentation for post traumatic purpose to uh, the Baltimore Emerald Society for Baltimore County and Baltimore City Fire and Police and surrounding agencies. So it's going to be a really good time. We got a we got a comedy event afterwards that night, so that's going to be cool. And uh, then I fly back. And I'm immediately, what do I do? I get back and then we go to Jacksonville, Florida, October the 26th for the Bearing the Burden First Responder Summit, where I'll be doing a keynote presentation there on post-traumatic purpose. Um, then I get back from there and I'm off to Indiana again. I just got back from Indiana, but I'm going to uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I'll be doing multiple events for the Northeast Indiana critical incident management team, uh, first responders from all over. I'll be doing post-traumatic purpose training, and, and then we're going to actually end the week with a comedy event that night. And immediately after Fort Wayne, I'm, I'm going straight up to South Bend, Indiana, where I'm teaching three post-traumatic uh, purpose courses to South Bend, Indiana Fire Department. And then I come back home, and I'm literally home for a few weeks. And then on December the 6th, I, I head down to Orlando, Florida, where I'm going to be um, doing a keynote presentation at the first responder safety and health conference. So that sums up my year and I, I couldn't be more excited. I love doing this stuff and I love talking about this stuff. Uh, I, I just got back. I want to tell y'all a story and then I'm going to get into something different. You now I'm switching gears here, but we, uh, 
I just got back from Belmont Fire Department, which is just outside of Greenville, South Carolina, and I had to go up there the other night to um, do a presentation on post-traumatic purpose where I was speaking to members of the Belmont Fire uh, Department and surrounding departments. And I couldn't have asked for a better host. They were phenomenal, man. This was one of the coolest setups. I've done thousands of venues in my 15 years of doing stuff like this. I've literally any kind of venue, you name it. But I've never done it inside of a fire station. So what they did is they they pulled all the apparatus out of the fire station and the stalls or the bay, whatever you call it, where the trucks are parked. We call it the stalls in Charleston because fucking horses used to stand in there, so we call it horse stalls. So they pulled all their apparatus out and... They created like a concert venue. They've had a stage. They had monitors. They had a loudspeakers system. And then they set up banquet style tables and everybody sat around and we talked about post-traumatic purpose, about leadership, mental wellness, resiliency. And we really got after this thing. And here's the coolest part. After all of my events, I always do a Q&A. And this is for, for a couple of reasons, but I think the question and answers portion is one of the most important parts that I do. Let me back up with, with Belmont fire department. We also have the spouses out. And so we've been doing this uh, regularly as having spouses out because when we in the emergency services experience something, we always keep it in, right? We don't really go home and talk about it. And we're really good at fucking up our home lives. We're, we're really good at fucking up our friendships and we're really good at just turning into very cold assholes. So a lot of people think, but that's just not the truth. We've just been there, done that, seen it, and we don't really want to be fucking bothered because something changes internally inside of us and we don't know how to really, we slowly start shutting down and we lose that ability to interact and connect with humans because we're so familiarized with death and destruction. It's fucking sad. So what I started doing a, a long time ago was inviting spouses out to these events. And I was like, look, no other training out there welcome spouses, right? If we're going to do repelling or we're going to do confined space rescue, what the fuck does your wife need to be doing there? She doesn't, right? Um, but if we're talking about mental wellness and how we're taking this shit home with us and destroying our families, and then we're bringing our family life here to work and destroying our work life, and it's just this one big toxic merry-go-round, that's a problem. And we need to include our spouses. And so I started doing that. Um, I've had children at these things, although I don't like doing that because I let the fuck flags fly regardless. And if your children are there, you do not win the parenting, um, the parent of the award year with me. I tell them straight up, look, this is adults, man. This is, this is adult stuff because we're going to talk about some bad stuff. And the, here's the, here's, here's the hard thing. This shit is hard hitting and it's very necessary that we talk about it. There's no filter. There's no. Um, there's no censorship going on in these courses that I'm doing, these, these presentations. This is about as real as it can get. And what I'm going to tell you is I was moved in Belmont. And I've had a lot of really good Q&As, but I had a firefighter open up in front of everybody and kind of put his shit right out there in front of everybody. And you could have heard a fucking pin drop. And he did that because after, during the speech, he understood that this shit, it's okay. And it's completely normal to turn into whatever we turn into because of this. His mother was there. His wife was there. His mother got choked up. I was watching his wife visibly crying at the table. They were moved. And you could tell that 
this is something that has affected this family so deeply. And now it's starting to make sense. And so the mother comes up to me afterwards and hugs me. And she's like, I've always known this. I just needed to hear somebody else say it. And when this, when this gentleman opened up and said the things that he said, you could see the weight literally fall off his back. And I'm not saying he's on easy street now because he's got a fucking uphill battle to climb. But I could tell that dude has been wanting to say that for so long. And that's the beautiful part of it. We start talking about communicating through trauma and how to communicate with spouses. And I had so many questions. I had a gentleman ask, he's like, well, how do we even start the conversation with our wife? And he, he told me, he's like, I went, to, I went to a call where there were three dead children and I have three little girls. And he goes, and they're about the same ages as these three dead, these three dead kids that I went to. And he goes, I sat on that for 10 years. I never talked to anybody about it. And he goes, but how do we start communicating with our spouses about these things and how they bother us? And I said, bro, I said, all you got to do is tell them. And I said, in a second you get uncomfortable, you can shut it down. That's the beauty of it. You have control of the entire situation and the conversation. And you need to let your spouses know up front, please don't pry. I'm going to offer you some information. And if I shut it down, I just shut it down. And these spouses got to understand that. And they got to respect that. But our biggest support unit or team is our home, is, is the people in our home. Yet they're the most excluded members of the fucking team. And we got to start including them in the conversation. I was talking earlier about how the universe just kind of takes you takes you for a ride sometimes and you got to really kind of just open your eyes and kind of roll with it sometimes and just just hop on the ride and lay back, let it happen and just remember to breathe, right? This next little piece I tell y'all I'm going to end on this. It may not be powerful for you guys, but it was for me. It's been extremely powerful and I've been sitting on this emotionally for for about a week and a half now and I don't want to jinx it, but I'm, I'm going to tell the story and, uh, I'm kind of just see where this thing goes, but, but, but I'm open to it and I'm going to ride this motherfucker and see what happens. So about a week ago, I put a post on my Instagram and it was me cleaning out my horse stalls that I just built. I just built two horse stalls because what I, in my property, I want to build a big barn, but right now I don't have the time for that. So I enclosed a smaller portion of my pole barn. It's already there. And I just turned it into two horse stalls, two 12 by 12 horse stalls. And I don't even have horses in mind. I, I haven't looked at horses. I haven't even, I, have, I haven't even started the search for horses. I just knew that someday I would have the horses there. And when the time came, I wanted to make my place as perfect as I could and as comfortable as I could for those horses once they arrived. And I, and I knew that they were, I'm a deep thinker. I can't help it. Um, and I knew somewhere out there in this world, those horses already exist, but they just don't know that they're coming to my farm. And I don't even know who the fuck they are, but they're out there somewhere and their new owner is out there somewhere. And we've yet to meet. So essentially I put that post out there and literally within minutes, I get an inbox on, this was actually on Facebook. Sorry. And a girl from Facebook messaged me and said, Hey, 
my husband wants to talk to you because I'm not friends with him on Facebook. My husband wants to talk to you about rehoming our, our two horses. And so I immediately was like, well, fuck, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for goddamn horses yet. You know what I mean? I was just, I'm just getting this place ready. So I get a message in my spam folder and I look at it and it, it was this pretty lengthy message. And essentially what it said was, Hey man, you don't know me, your husband or my wife told me about you. I looked you up. Um, I learned that you were a Marine. Well, my father was a Marine and he, he had these two horses and he recently passed away in May, but he raised these horses since they were babies and they're, they're 20 years old now. But he said, my mother has the horses and she can't care for them. She's never been into them, but they were my father's babies. And my mother wants to, I don't like saying get rid of them, but she wants to rehome them. But against his wishes, not against his wishes, his wishes were to, to always keep the horses together since they, they're essentially brothers. And he said, would you be open to taking these two horses? And then so immediately I was like, man, I've adopted dogs that were old before to give them a final home. And I always loved that. But the fact that his father was a fucking Marine, how could I say no to this? Um, that's what we do. We got each other's back, even if we never fucking know you, you know, and it's just, there's a bond there. And then it might've been different had he have said his father was with a different branch of service. I might've said, man, I really appreciate it, but my farm's not ready just yet. And I wish you luck with your search. I'm still doing fencing out there. I still have to finish up a little bit of fencing and um, the watering system. I was working on getting that built out and this really put me into overdrive. So I was like, you know what? Can I go see these horses? And he goes, when do you want to see them? I said, right now, I want to go see them today. Cause he, their, their farm apparently is 30 fucking miles from mine. So I, uh, he goes, well, let me call my mom. So he calls his mother. Calls me back and says, hey, she said, you're welcome to come out today. So this is how I live my life, people. I don't bullshit. There's no better time than right fucking now. If you're going to do something, do it. You can talk yourself out of anything. I could have sat there and said, well, I can get to it three days from now. Horses are expensive. I don't know if I'm ready to to bite off more than I can chew. Um, I could have started like, well, they're old. They're, you know, all this shit. Fucking do what you want to do, right? So I knew right then I was drawn to these horses without even ever meeting them. He sent me a picture. They were beautiful, two boy horses or two geldings, I should say, if I'm going to be a goddamn cowboy. Um, so I drive out to the farm, and his older brother's there, introduces me to the horse King and Nugget. Now, the beautiful horses. They were very well behaved. They've been baby their whole life. They're just in a, pa- a little pasture right now, and they don't have the love that they need because the old man was out there every single day. Well, the old man, come to find out, was a preacher. And there's a story behind that. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the story because I'm going to make a post when I get these horses. I'm going to make this post and watch what this shit's crazy. So I'm far from spiritual. I'm far from religious. And I think that death and being exposed to certain amounts and certain levels of death does that to a person. It does one of two things. It either makes you religious or it does the complete opposite. And for me, it did the complete opposite. Now, I don't need anybody fucking messaging me, telling me which way I need to go. That's not what this is about. Look, I, I, I live my life a certain way. I make my own decisions. I believe in what I believe in. That's for me. I don't knock people who are religious and believe in religion. That's their thing. And I'll never try to take that away from them. But here's the crazy part. 
I took my daughters to meet the horses. I wanted to see how these horses would behave around my kids before I made my decision. I said, you know what? These horses are good with me. They can, they can sense, they can, they, you know, they can smell the sexual cowboy on me, right? They know that this motherfucker is the real deal. Like he, he has holes in his drawers. His balls probably falling out the bottom of his underwear. He'll slap the shit out of us if we buck on him. You know, like you can look at me and tell like, hey, motherfucker, not this ain't my first rodeo. I might not be, you know, goddamn Chris Ledoux with, with, with a damn a guitar on my back and shit like that. But I'm country as a bowl of onions. I'll slap the shit out of a horse if I need to. You want to buck on me, boy, I'm going to show you who the boss is, right? So check it out. Listen, I don't slap no damn horse. They're, they're too sweet. But I needed to see how these horses would react or interact with my kids. So I made an appointment to go back out there. I take my girls. Let me tell you, these two girls ain't scared of shit. And it's funny because the the lady who owns the horses now, the widow of the Marine, he came out to see me yesterday. Let me, hang on, I'm going to back up. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I take my kids out there and they walk right out there. They grabbing on the horses, loving on the horses, and I'm stepping back and I'm watching the horses, and the horses are watching me, and I'm like, "Don't you get out of hand, motherfucker! I'd hate to have to drop these horses right here in somebody else's field, right?" But, but they they were really good. They were phenomenal with my kids. Fed them some carrots, and we went back to have a conversation with with the widow of the marine who owned them. Now here's where it gets crazy. I asked her what unit her husband was with, and she didn't know. Now, remember, he served 30 years before me in Vietnam. When she came back out, she goes, let me go get these papers. Let me go get his papers. So when she, when she came out with his papers, his papers. I, I don't know if y'all got that reference. That's from uh, Goodfellas. I'm going to go get the papers, the papers. So she comes out with his papers, is DD-214 specifically, and I look at it, and I, and I stop dead in my tracks because I'm looking at his unit, and it's the exact same unit I served with only 30 years later. I mean, the Marine Corps is not a huge place, but it's big enough to where you very rarely meet people that were in the same fucking unit that you were in, especially 30 years ago. Um, that's just crazy because we were – I was an infantry guy. He was an infantry guy. We're only like 1% of the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps is so much bigger than just the infantry. And for us to be in the same unit was just, it was beyond coincidence. I mean, just the way that this was lining up. So I called the, um, I called the son, the one that, that messaged me in the beginning. And I asked him, I said, man, can I ask you a question? Was your dad? Was your dad religious before Vietnam or he did he get into that afterwards? And he goes, man, I knew you were going to ask me that question. And he said, um, apparently he was exposed to some, some pretty gnarly stuff. And when he came back, that's when he got into it. Not to say he wasn't you know, involved in church before he went, but it changed his life. And it changed it for, for the better for him as far as coming back and becoming an effective member of society where he served his community, his family, and he used those horses as, to find his inner peace. And it's just kind of crazy how the universe, out of all of the horses in the world, all of them, led me to these two horses. And maybe I'm overthinking it. You call it God. You call it um, coincidence. I call it simplify, right? Always faithful in the Marine Corps terminology, semper fidelis. I knew I was going to get these horses. And especially when I saw how they were with my children. But 
but all these other things for the universe to just line up all these other things. Like, look, I was potentially, I was on a, on a, um, a timeline to get my farm ready by Christmas. Cause I was going to go out and find some horses, hopefully drop them out. There were some fucking bows on their head for Christmas for my kids. Right. But this happened and I could have bucked that. I could have went against it and I could have fought everything inside of me. Like, no, these horses are too old. And I could have made up all these excuses but I didn't. I stopped and I recognized the universe was doing something. So I'm rolling with it, man. And it's honestly, it's an amazing feeling. Now I, I feel like these horses are more than just horses. Now I feel like Mr. Stephen Crosby, the guy that owned them, the Marine lives through those horses. And I've went back out there to see these horses again and again and I feel like he's there. It's fucking crazy. I can't explain this because I am not a religious person. But I feel his presence when I'm with those horses. And I know that I'm going to take those horses and give them a phenomenal fucking life for however many years they have. They may die in two years. I don't know. But they may live another ten. I guess what I'm getting at is recognize opportunity. Recognize the universe when it's working for you. And when it's working against you. Because sometimes when it's working against you, it's working for you. Got to recognize that. Goddamn, Travis, that was some deep conversation today. Or that was a deep monologue, however you want to look at it. That's, hey, man, sometimes sometimes it has to get deep like this. But, uh, you know, I got a message uh, this morning. And the message just simply read, your last episode connected with me. And I couldn't. it couldn't have happened for a better t- at a better time for me. And I really feel like that was the universe putting me right where I need to be is, and that's, that's the cool shit, man, that I think is cool about this podcast, because a lot of times I sit back here in this office and I think, man, the fuck am I doing? But I get so many messages from people like shit helps. I mean, it could, none of this podcast could make sense. None of it. But the part about me making goddamn tea and slapping the donkey's ass, that might be the most instrumental part of this entire episode that resonates with somebody. I mean, cause you might, you might be a mushroom tea drinking donkey ass slapping son of a bitch after this episode. Like that might be the next big thing that comes out, you know, and, and shit, that's all it took to inspire somebody who's hearing that. Um, so that's why I don't leave anything left unsaid, man. If it, if it comes into my brain, it's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> That's gotten me into trouble a lot, but that's just how, that's how I roll. So there you have it. Don't just talk to talk when it comes to living a, f- a full life, a fulfilled life. Don't have regrets. Don't do that. No regrets shit. Mean it, man. Mean it and, and fucking live your life that way and don't regret anything. Just keep pressing forward. Don't go rob any banks or anything, but do the shit you want to do. Do the things that interest you. And like I say all the time, stop looking for the answers. Don't You don't need the answers to everything. When you start a math problem, you don't know the answer. You had to figure that shit out along the way, right? Show your work. Remember that shit? So show your work. Go out. Something interests you. Show your work. Go get it. And you don't have to, you don't have to be the best at whatever you're going to go out and do. But, man, don't hold yourself back. Fuck, there's nothing worse than people that hold themselves back because we're capable of so much more. And I, and I got faith in y'all. So something interests you? Go get after it. I'll talk to y'all later. I love y'all.